Michael, what do you tell your patients when they ask what causes Parkinson's? Well, there's a few elements to that question. There's why does it happen, which in the vast majority of cases we don't know. Uh, but then there's the secondary question of what's happening in the brain mm -hmm. that leads to these symptoms of Parkinson's. What's, what's causing this to happen? And even within that, there's a lot we still are learning about. But fundamentally, there is um, a loss of the cells in the brain that produce a chemical called dopamine. And dopamine is involved in the fluidity of movement. Uh, it's also involved in mood. And so when you lose these dopamine-producing cells, these sort of factories in your brain that make the dopamine, mm -hmm. a lot of these what we call cardinal motor symptoms, the, the tremor, the rigidity, uh, develop. What leads to that loss is still, in the vast majority of cases, not understood. We do know that there is something called the Lewy body, which is a sort of plaque in the brain that forms both in this area where the dopamine is made and then ultimately in other areas of the mm -hmm. brain. So what triggers that loss is something we could talk about um, you know, in, in subsequent questions looking at different subtypes, perhaps, of Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. But it's basically a loss of dopamine, not exclusively, but primarily, uh, that leads to a lot of the symptoms that bring patients to us. Are there specific regions in the brain that, uh, this, uh, that you see this loss of dopamine? Right. So there are within, there is within the brain an area called the substantia ni nigra, which means the black substance, partially because the dopaminergic neurons mm -hmm. have a sort of blackish quality. Right. And you see that, that they're lost. If you look at the brain of somebody who's passed away and who had Parkinson's, you can see that that sort of area of the brain did not produce as much dopamine mm -hmm. uh, as, as a, say, a, a non-Parkinson patient. And so those areas are, are largely uh, what's affected in Parkinson's. But because the brain is like a circuit, the loss of one area affects um, multiple areas of the brain. Now, the that loss, is does it continue to progress, or does it happen and then a patient, is their symptoms are like that all the time? Right. Uh, so Parkinson's is slowly progressive. What we think is by the time you've come to the doctor's office with your symptoms, you've probably lost a large amount of your dopamine-producing uh, neurons, maybe 70% even. Uh, so you've got a reserve, but when that reserve ultimately gets lower and lower, these symptoms begin to emerge, and, and they do continue to progress over time as the dopamine is lost, as other parts of the brain get affected. Mm -hmm. And it's important to say it's not really solely a disorder of dopamine loss, but it is sort of the sine qua non, the main mm -hmm. finding in the Parkinson's brain that, that uh, differentiates it. Are there other neuro neurotransmitters or neurochemicals that are uh, affected? Uh, there, are, there are. There are. There uh, are... Some of it is lost, some of it is in balance. And we know that mm -hmm. other neurotransmitters, things like acetylcholine, serotonin, mm -hmm. are also not normal. And so that speaks to some extent to the broader issues that we face with our Parkinson patients, which go beyond just slowness and can involve aspects of sleep disorder, mood disorder, other mm -hmm. things that are what we call these non-motor symptoms. Why, hello there. Pull up a chair. I'm doing something new today. I thought, well, I see these kids on YouTube, they do cold reads where they, you know, say, well, I'm going to read this and give you my reaction in real time, well, as they're fully edited. <laughs> so, 
<clears throat> so something came across, and um, I'm working on a lot of other very interesting things. One that is, <laughs> well, I have to stay focused here, okay? So I'll just tell you a fascinating story about Satan and Santa. <laughs> Why are they the same word? <laughs> More about that later. Okay, so found a couple of interesting things because, you know, I've been talking about Parkinson's and my... Um, looking into the hormones that are likely causing these diseases they're all getting. And if you want to know more, go look on my website, Psychopath in Your Life, not that complicated, same name as the show, and um, click on the Elite Transgender Files, and you will see where I have documented what they're doing to themselves with these hormones. And I've noticed this trend in things like Parkinson's and MS and things that seem to be prevalent and just full disclosure, I certainly am not a doctor <laughs> and I struggle with this. So I found some interesting information. So I thought, well, I'll just, you know, I've got to get back to this thing about Santa being Satan. So I thought, well, I'll just do a cold read of this because what happened was there's a brand new group that's been formed. And what's that group? Well, it's called the Aligning Science Across Parkinson's. Founded by none other, Google co-founder Sergey Brin. Now, I've talked about Sergey Brin. Um, the show is still over on YouTube. Um, it's the There's something in the title about high-tech and vaccines in the title. And Sergey Brin has been a very active but not really known player in all of this okay so anyway so I see this thing flash across my beady little eyes zoom in on it because I'm thinking whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute what's this aligning science across Parkinson's deal and why is Sergey Brin involved in it so I have two pieces here that I'll read through the first one is an article <clears throat> that was just done because this group, Aligning Science Across Parkinson's, also the acronym would be ASAP. <laughs> ASAP, Aligning Science Across Parkinson's. Okay, so um, they talk about this rare interview that Sergey Brin did. And I'll read you the interview after I read this, okay? <clears throat> so let me read this announcement as far as this new group. Because here's my thing. I... Well, as close as I can be, I'm pretty sure that they're giving themselves these diseases with those hormones, right? Um, so, you know, seems like there's some patterns here well we're taking a look at. Not to say that nobody in real time could not possibly get one of these diseases or get misdiagnosed or any of those <laughs> disclaimers out there, okay, right? But... Parkinson's has been on my radar because it has to do with the brain area and that brain area is being affected by hormones and you'll get where I'm going because now I've only scanned this article but I scanned to the end of Sergey's interview about what motivated this and it was fascinating because I think because they're finding Parkinson's in their own family there's a misunderstanding as far as some of the DNA, okay? And I think you'll hear in the clip that I just played that 
there seems to be a lot of vagueness around all of this stuff, right? A lot of, well, we don't know. <laughs> we know it's in this part of the brain, but other than that, we don't know, right? So, anyhow, so let me just carry on here and just read this and put this into context. So, okay, so this was in Forbes. And it said, a dozen years ago, Google co-founder Sergey Brin disclosed in a rare interview, which will follow this, that has a much that he has a much higher chance of getting Parkinson's disease than the general population due to genetic mutation. Since then, without fanfare, Brin, now the world's twelfth richest person worth seventy eight billion per Forbes, has quietly become the largest individual donor to Parkinson's research with a he heavy emphasis on advancing basic science. Yeah, but they don't seem to have much science, right? Um, it's a Google co-founder, Sergey Brin, is one of just a few people alive today to have donated more than one billion to a specific disease. Yeah, see, when they get disease-specific, that's how I actually started tracking a lot of these things because they also run their own charities and stuff, right? Um, I mean, I had this disease file and it all kept leading down the same place, right? Um, so, um, Forbes has learned to date that Bren has funneled $1.1 to fund research of the disease, according to people familiar with his philanthropic giving. That makes him one of the few people. I just said that, didn't I? Okay. <laughs> so he's one of a few. The other people like Michael J. Fox. Parkinson's disease, which causes tremors, slow movement, stiffness, and difficulties in balance, and can progress slowly over many years, affects 10 million people worldwide, more than a million of whom are in the United States. The annual economic burden in the U.S. alone is estimated at $58 billion, with a little less than half of that tied to the cost of medications and hospitalization, and the remainder due to non-medical costs like missed work, lost wages, forced early retirement, and the cost of caregiving, according to report Michael J. Fox Foundation and the Parkinson's Foundation are two names that you will hear a lot of, okay? They're really the only two players in this game so far, okay? Until, of course, ASAP is now in the picture with Sergey Brin at the helm. So I'll continue on. Over the past dozen or so years, there have been intriguing new discoveries about Parkinson's. Researchers have identified about 20 genes associated with the disease, including a mutation of the LRRK2 gene, which both Bryn and his mother have. She was diagnosed with Parkinson's more than a decade ago. In the past eight years, 18 new drugs for Parkinson's have been approved. While none of them slow or halt the disease, they do help manage symptoms, says Deborah Brooks, some CEO from Michael Fox Foundation. 
Despite these advances, many key facts about Parkinson's are still a mystery. We don't know what causes a disease. We don't know why it progresses, and we don't know how to measure it, and we don't know how to stop it, laments Dr. James Beck. We don't understand the biology of the disease without such knowledge. Now, remember, this article is from, like, recently, okay, because there's a photo in this article from April of 2022, so that's the time frame we're dealing with here, okay? Um, and you can buzz over to their website and take a look at who all these people are. They got their website up. They've got their who they are and their pictures. <laughs> so they say, we don't understand the biology of the disease. Without such knowledge, it's far more difficult to develop drugs that will meaningfully slow or cure it. In 2017, Bren's philanthropic team, which at that point had donated more than $200 million toward Parkinson's research, decided to shift toward funding basic research in a new, meaningful, and coordinated way. They created an entity called Aligning Science Across Parkinson's, ASAP for short, and tapped Randy Schuckelman, a Nobel laureate, Oh, you know, an interesting thing about these noble lords, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, but now that it's come up, what did noble do for their claim to fame? They invented dynamite. <laughs> you got to kind of laugh at some of this stuff, right? <laughs> the guy they admire the most that name all their awards after invented dynamite, which they now use to mimic earthquakes and disasters and horrific scenes at wars and all kinds of crimes and stuff. So, yeah. That's who that's that's who uh, is given the award is the person who is causing murder around the world with dynamite. Okay, because um, you really don't think they're shooting off real missiles when they could throw a couple sticks of dynamite now, do you? And pocket the money for the missiles. <laughs> so, this is all computer graphics, all computer graphics, um, but not the part about the people that are getting murdered. So let me get back here. Okay, so. Randy Schleckelman, a Nobel laureate and UC Berkeley professor of molecular and cell biology as scientific director, and this Echelmini Riley, a PhD in molecular medicine as managing director. Okay, as he was running ASAP. For Schleckelman, the role has a strong personal connection. Oh, do tell. His, now, I don't find, before you start writing to me and telling me I'm being insensitive, I don't find any of this personally funny, okay? But there is some thing going on here that has, um, well, I don't know. I mean, you know, they're giving themselves these diseases in their effort to murder the rest of us. So let, let's, let's, keep, <laughs> let's keep things into perspective, okay? So I find that there's certain ironies in all this, right? Whether they're targeting themselves with hormones and they're targeting us with the food and the, you know, radiation boxes in our homes and everything else. <laughs> There's a certain irony in all this. So they may be living in those castles right now, but okay, let me get back here, okay? Um, Shekelman has a personal connection. His wife was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease when she was 48. Yeah, see, that's about the key age. These people are getting it too, right? Um, and declined slowly over two decades. She died in 2017, which all of this is extraordinarily sad, okay? Very sad. And I don't find any 
humor in the fact that these people had some sadness inflicted on them, okay? Because that starts to make us become more like them. So, um, so Shuckleman said, what better could I do with my life? Together, Shuckleman and Riley came up with a framework that awards grants of up to $9 million over three years to collaborative teams of researchers around the globe, including lead investigators who have not studied Parkinson's before, plus experts in cell stem cells, cancer immunotherapy, and more. The first grants were awarded in 2020, 2020, and we're just right now in 2022. So yeah, this thing's really moving along. ASAP is looking to fill the discovery gap, says Riley. We're working to accelerate the pace of discovery and inform the past to cure Parkinson's disease. Well, maybe I should send them um, a grant application, right? I would crack this case for just a few thousand dollars to cover expenses. Um, so anyway, so, you know, one thing too about these foundations and stuff too, just to be very clear about these things, they all really sound great, don't they? Well, that's the whole idea in how they will now trick the public into paying for all this stuff. So um, there's always an agenda here when they set up their own foundations. And remember, it's always, always about control, <laughs> always. Okay, so rather than fund drug discovery or clinical trials, the ASAP grant money is for basic research. See, I don't think they really know what in the heck they're talking about, right? We need new clues that will give us new targets that have not yet been the subject of the pharmaceutical industries, explained Sheckman. Okay, um, what did that Todd person say? Todd, this Todd person says from the Michael Fox Foundation, predicts that Parkinson's will have targeted therapies for subpopulations of the disease. You will need to pair the drug development work with a greater understanding of the basic science, he says. Altogether, the ASAP initiative is backing 35 research teams in 14 countries. Okay, 35 research teams, 14 countries, supported by $290 million in funding. And the effort will likely continue for the rest of this decade. Research papers are required to be published in open science journals that required no subscription fee to access. Oh, that's good to know. All work done by teams is shared internally. So anybody could submit research papers to be published in open, but you have to publish them in open science journals, not ones that they have closed off to elite members. <laughs> but good luck getting past the first hurdle, right? Um, in April, this is 2020. No, 2022? Let me see here. Let me scroll down here. I'm pretty sure I thought it was 2022. But hey, what's a couple of years, right? Okay. Oh, no. April 22. Um, in April 2022, and right now we're in December of 2022, okay? 
ASAP back researchers convened in the Bahamas. Oh, isn't that convenient where FTX was? Um, the first <laughs> it was the first group wide in person meeting. Discussions about their research began right away. Now, this is an article that one of these people wrote, okay? This isn't my lousy language. <laughs> Let me start over. In April 2020, nearly 200 ASAP-backed researchers convened in the Bahamas for the first group-wide in-person meeting. Discussions about their research began right away, while some of them waiting for the hotel shuttle bus. Dario Alessi, a biochemical engineer at the University of Dundee in Scotland, leads an ASAP-funded team that is investigating the LRRK2 gene, which he says is linked to 1-2% to of Parkinson's cases. But of course, Brent, Sergey Brent is more concerned about this particular one, right? So Dario spoke to Forbes in early December while in San Francisco, he and his colleagues from this university, from his university, had flown in to spend three days working with. Wait, a minute, I got, I got this all confused. Okay, this Dario Alessi person spoke to Forbes in early December while he was in San Francisco. He and five colleagues from his university had flown in to spend three days working with their team members at Stanford University led by cell biologist and biochemist Suzanne Pfeffer. That's P-F-E-F-F-E-R. <clears throat> this is probably the biggest experiment with Parkinson's disease. Let me see here. I thought here for a second, I thought, please, please, let me <laughs> make sure I turn on the microphone. Okay, let me get back here. <laughs> Okay. This is probably the biggest experiment with Parkinson's disease, certainly in the history of science. <clears throat> it is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to really throw the kitchen sink at the problem and really do everything you can possibly dream of doing. That's partly due to the generous funding, he explains. <clears throat> His lab has been able to double to six double to six the number of people devoted to LLRK2. <coughs> those, those, those letters must mean something with these freaks, right? It's LL, no, LRRK2 research. But more important, he says, is the network. Each lab has a small set of expertise. I've always thought that to make really big progress, it's important that you bring labs with complementary expertise together working in a truly collaborative manner. Well, everybody's collabing, right? <laughs> Haven't noticed all the controlled opposition people that the whole media is set up with. Everybody collabs with everybody else. <laughs> Traditionally, academic science has been more siloed enterprise. Well, it's good to see that they're all getting together. Okay, Bren's ASAP team is betting that bringing new people together, including early career researchers as well as veterans will lead to breakthroughs. 
the Bren Family Foundation's key partner with ASAP is the Michael J. Fox Foundation, the largest foundation in the country focused on Parkinson's disease and advancing care. It is named, this is, this is Michael J. Fox, it is named for the popular 61-year-old actor who has been living with Parkinson's disease for three decades. The grant money to ASAP researchers is the grant money to ASAP researchers is distributed through the Fox Foundation. Oh, they always have a system for handing out the money. Probably there's some bank involved in here. So, <clears throat> so ASAP get their money through the Fox Foundation. Oh, now we have that set. Bryn also donates to the Fox Foundation's other efforts including the Parkinson's Progressive Markers Initiative, a study launched in 2010 that gathers data from volunteers, both those with and without Parkinson's, and from people who have risk factors for Parkinson's, including loss of smell and REM sleep behavior disorder, in which people punch and kick in their sleep. Now, remember, I'm still reading from them, okay? <laughs> Some might question the amount of funding going to one subset of Parkinson's, the LRRK2 set, with the same genetic mutation as the field's biggest individual donor. Oh, so they're saying this donor has the biggest mutation themselves. But experts push back at that. <clears throat> In my opinion, they said, Genetic forms of Parkinson's, though rare, really provide the best opportunity to solve the disease, says Beck, Beck of the Parkinson's Foundation. I do think Bren's emphasis on LRRK2 has so upset the balance of overall Parkinson's funding that other potential causes of the disease, genetic or otherwise, have been left by the wayside. Bren's generous funding of Parkinson's research is part of an American tradition. <laughs> what is it? Giving diseases to people and getting people to pay for it? <laughs> there's, a there's a fairly long history of major donors giving to support a particular disease. Going back to the Rockefeller Foundation's focus on yellow fever and hookworm. <laughs> something about those worms. <laughs> the Rockefellers focus on yellow fever and hookworm. Well, those were diseases that I've proven that they gave people, okay? It's not funny that the people got the disease by any means. It's just that these people are just something else. They're really fucking criminal in their thinking. Um, um, the John D. Rockefeller funded... Rockefeller Foundation worked in the early part of the 1900s. <coughs> Excuse me. I should have learned how to mute the microphone. I never have, so you have to bear with me. <laughs> the John D. Rockefeller funded Rockefeller Foundation worked in the early part of the 1900s to combat hookworm in the U.S. and also developed a vaccine to control yellow fever. 
You know, I did two shows. They're still over on YouTube. Um, they're part one and two of the Spanish flu of 1918. And in those shows, I laid out all the vaccines they've cooked up, all the dates, how all these people were involved with it all. Um, and, um, you know, it was triggered by some doctor in Kansas that I never could find a picture of, only a gravestone. The town was like some little town. They had ponies and horses tied up. <laughs> so it was a very poorly laid out thing. But the thing when people keep talking about 1918 flu, go look at my two shows about it. I've captured it all because more people died. So, so, so the, the doctor who supposedly caused the alarm for the Spanish flu was highly suspect, okay? They've been, they do sloppy operations, but to most people it doesn't matter because who's looking, right? So anyway, so um, more people actually were murdered, not from vaccines. They were murdered from bare aspirin in too high of doses. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the facts do matter to me. And I think you'll find that their patterns, their patterns always have these crazy deals where they hand out the diseases and then they come in for the cure, right? Um, so, you know, there's just something abusing in this about their tradition of their research being an American tradition. Well, I've also noticed a pattern here that their research always leads to something very deadly towards one of us or um, to try to get us to help them pay for a cure for something they've inflicted on themselves. Just how it appears to me, okay? So let me get back to here. Um, so anyway, so yeah, go look for those two shows. It says flu of 1918 and it's I went through every year and show you all the years they've developed vaccines and um, quite a history there. Um, so anyhow, so okay oh this is good um one of the people only a few individuals have ever given one billion to more or more to a specific disease okay the leona m and harry b helmsley charitable trust remember um leona helmsley the famous case out of new york look her up she was quite a case she said that taxes are only for the little people <laughs> she was just speaking the quiet part out loud so Okay, um, because they people, um, they funded so much a charity because it, the specific charity they funded was um, diabetes, type 1 diabetes. Here again, type 1 diabetes is also on my list of highly, highly suspect things that they're also giving themselves with hormones because diabetes, anyway, so <laughs> it has to do with hormones. Okay. And the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, funded by billionaires Bill Gates and Melinda French Gates and Warren Buffett, has given nearly $5 billion to date toward eradicating polio and recently pledged another $1 to $2 billion to the cause. Hmm. That polio has really worked well for them over the years, hasn't it? Um, now, Brent joins that small number of really big disease-specific givers, okay? For many billionaires, giving large sums of money away is a badge of honor they are happy to discuss. Not so with Brent. He's not secretive about his commitment to Parkinson's in any way. 
he's just unusually low-key and not a self-promoter around it, says the Fox Foundation's Brooks, who first met Bryn more than a decade ago at a dinner with former Intel CEO Andy Grove, who had Parkinson's and was an engaged donor to the Fox Foundation. Perhaps not surprisingly, Bryn declined to comment for this article. While Bryn wholly supports the Parkinson's research efforts, he doesn't get overly involved in the details. ASAP Sheckerman says he's met Bryn just once, and that's just fine. Ekman and Riley and I are now ASAP's deputy directors. Sonia... Dumanis have built what we think is a fairly unique approach. It's made even more powerful by the rather hands-off position of Mr. Bryn. The way he operates is he picks people and he gives them trust, says Sheckman. Outside of ASAP, Bryn's philanthropic team also makes some donations to other researchers including those working on projects that could serve Parkinson's patients sooner. At Stanford University, Dr. Peter Tass, a neurosurgery professor, has developed gloves that develop a stimulus to the fingertips in a pilot study, in a pilot study reverse Parkinson's, so in this pilot study, this glove reverse thing, they never say, how many, right? They always say, well, some, right? Uh, one man with Parkinson's who needed a cane to walk wore the gloves and was able to walk normally after just hours. He soon recovered his sense of smell and taste, and months later, he ran his first marathon. <laughs> I mean, that's their professional scientific data here, okay? <laughs> Bryn's team is talking to a potential partner to help Tass get his invention to market faster. Now, I'm confused. Tass is, um, oh, Tass is a surgeon who developed the gloves, okay? And so now Bryn is working to get, now, I, I'm a little confused because based on one glove, it's, one guy said it worked, Okay. So let me continue on here. I'm glad that Bren's getting this glove to market quicker. Okay, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of government funds involved in all of this. So um, the dollar amount of Bren's giving toward Parkinson's has ticked up in recent years, particularly to fund the ASAP teams. This year, and we're in 2022 still. Okay, this year Bren has donated 225 million towards Parkinson's including $43 million to the Michael J. Fox Foundation, according to a person familiar. Last year, Bren's donation to Parkinson's hit $233 million. Of that, Sergey Bren Family Foundation donated $101 million to the Fox Foundation. For context, these, these figures come close to the amount that the U.S. National Institute of Health spent annually on Parkinson's an estimated $263 million in the, in the fiscal year through September 2022. 
and a $250 million in the prior fiscal year. So um, the whole um, U.S. National Institute of Health spends annually 263 roughly, give or take, right? And these people have, well, it looks like a lot of that, I'm not going to go back and look at every single penny here, but it just appears to me in scanning through here that they're raising about equal or more money on their own, right? Which this thing, remember, this thing is just getting started, okay? This is this is just the opening bell of this money robbery thing that will be going on here. Bryn has done some of his giving via the Sergey Bryn Family Foundation, but also donates shares of Alphabet stock and makes donations from donor-advised funds, according to a person familiar with his philanthropy. So he makes... He, gives, he donates shares of stock, and he makes donations from donor-advised funds. I don't know what that means. But anyway, so um, Forbes estimates that two-thirds of his $1.1 billion in Parkinson's donations were made via gifts of stock or from donor-advised funds. I don't know what donor-advised funds mean, but probably something shaky to do with tax evasion, right? <laughs> I'll get to the letter here in a second. Let me finish up here. What's next? Bren's phil philanthropy team has already taken the ASAP collaborative funding model and applied it to other areas of his giving. In September, the Sergey Bren Family Foundation and two other wealthy families announced a $150 million five-year effort to jumpstart research in bipolar disorder. Up next, a similar effort to advance research into autism. Okay, they have a lot on their plate based on their starting at zero, right? I already, I did a show about autism and vaccines. Those two words I'm real sure were in the title, so. And I also did a uh, show about Parkinson's and Putin, so those are good refreshers. So anyway, so let's get to this um article. <clears throat> this was an interview that Sergey Brin did. <coughs> Excuse me. Let me see what the date was here. Uh, okay. So the article is, and if I give you the name of the article, just type in these little words and the world will unlock in front of your eyes. The title of the article is Sergey Brin's search for a Parkinson's cure, a Wired, which is Wired magazine classic about Sergey Brin's new approach to solving an old problem. Collect data, then hypothesize, then find patterns that lead to answers. So, let's scroll down here. Okay, here's the article. <clears throat> Several evenings a week, after a day's work at Google headquarters in Mountain View, California, Sergey Brin drives up the road to a local pool. He then changes into swim trunks, steps out on a three-meter springboard, looks at the water below, and dives. 
Bren is competent at all four types of springboard diving, forward, back, forward, back, reverse, and inward. Recently, he's been working on his twists, which have been something of a struggle. But overall, he's not bad. In 2006, he competed in the Masters Division World Championship. He's quick to point out he plays six, six out of six in his event. The diving is the sort of challenge that Bryn, who has also dabbled in yoga, gymnastics, and acrobatics, is drawn to. Equal parts physical and mental exertion. The dive itself is brief but intense, he says. You push off really hard and then have to twist right away. It does get your heart rate going. There's another benefit as well. With every dive, Bren gains a little bit of leverage. Leverage against a risk looming somewhere out there. That, that risk someday that he may develop the neurogenetic disorder Parkinson's disease. Buried deep within each cell, buried deep within each cell in Bren's body is a gene called LRRK2, which sits on the twelfth chromosome, is a genetic mutation that has been associated with high rates of Parkinson's. Not everyone with Parkinson's has an LRRK2 mutation, nor will everyone with the mutation get the disease but it does increase the chance that Parkinson's will emerge sometime in the carrier's life to between 30 and 75%. By comparison, the risk for the average American is about 1%. So anyway, so this gene increases the chance that Parkinson's will emerge sometime in the carrier's life in between 30 and 75%. That's where exercise comes in. Parkinson's is a poorly understood disease, but research has associated a handful of behaviors with lower rates of disease, starting with exercise. One study found that young men who work, who work, one study, one study, one, found that young men, whatever young means, okay, one study found that young men who work out have a 60% lower risk. Coffee, likewise, has been linked to a reduced risk. <laughs> Bren drank, for a time, Bren drank a cup or two a day, but he can't stand the taste of the stuff, so he switched to green tea. Most researchers think it's the caffeine, most, okay, though they don't know for sure, he says. Cigarette smokers also seem to have a lower chance of developing Parkinson's, but Bren has not opted to take up the habit. With every pool workout and every cup of tea, he hopes to diminish his odds to adjust his algorithm by counteracting his DNA with environmental factors. 
<laughs> Let me scroll down before I lose my place here and start laughing. Um, this is all off the cuff, he says. And these are the people that are terrified people saying they're building transhumans, right? Yeah. <clears throat> this is all off the cuff, he says. <laughs> but that's easy. But that's. But let's say that based on diet, exercise, and so, so forth, I can get my risk down to by about half to about 25%. The steady progress of neuroscience, Bren figures, will cut his risk by around another half, bringing his overall chance of getting Parkinson's to about 13%. It's all guesswork, mind you, but the way he delivers the numbers and explains his rationale, he is utterly convincing. <clears throat> Bren, of course, is no ordinary 36-year-old. As half of the duo that founded Google, he's worth about $15 billion. It really went up. <coughs> Excuse me. He's worth about $15 billion. That bounty provides additional leverage. Since learning that he carries LRRK2 mutation, Bren has contributed nearly $50 million to Parkinson's research. And this was before he started, I think, that ASAP business, right? Yeah. This article was a couple of years before, and then he got involved with ASAP. I'm just trying to keep these <laughs> dates straight in my head. So, um, so um, Brent has contributed $50 million enough, he figures, to really move the needle. In light of the uptake in research into drug treatments and possible cures, Bren adjusts his overall risk again, down to somewhere under 10%. That's still 10%, 10 times the average, but it goes a long way to counterbalancing his genetic predisposition. See, I've said this before about those cleft chins and stuff that, you know, I am very clear that those came from hormones, okay? And they've even done some studies that they found that cleft chins come from um, testosterone in the womb. I mean, hello. <laughs> um, and then they brush all that off as, yeah, well, you know, it's, his father's got it, so he's got it. Well, yeah, the dad isn't really his dad. The dad is really a woman with a... <laughs> that we think looks like a man, right? So nobody had, like Michael Douglas, those aren't his people who birthed him, right? Some other woman birthed that kid. So people point to that and say, well, yeah, it's genetic because, look, Michael Douglas has that chin and so does his dad. Well, both men also obviously are taking hormones, okay? Now that's just the most simplistic way to explain this. So it's easy to get some of these things confused and not stop and think, well, wait a minute. If that mom really doesn't look like his mom and he looks like he's transgendered, are we sure that's really his mom? You know what I mean? Um, so, who knows? Maybe early on in the experiment, maybe his mom wasn't transgendered, but she agreed to have him transgendered. Lot, lot, lots, of, lots of options out here, okay? So, all I'm saying is, one option is both parties 
are using hormones, okay? <laughs> That's one option. So, um, so he, he's, he's playing his numbers, okay? It sounds so pragmatic, pragmatic, so obvious, that you could almost miss a striking fact. Many philanthropists have funded research into diseases they themselves have been diagnosed with. Yes, like I said that before, look for their names, look look for what they're funding, right? And don't assume they're, you know, doing it for all the right reasons, right? Um, so, but Bren is likely the first who, based on a genetic test, began funding scientific research in the hope of escaping a disease in the first place. His approach is notable for another reason. That isn't just another variation on venture philanthropy. The voguish application of business school practice to scientific research. Brent is after a much different kind of science altogether. Most Parkinson's research, like, mo like much of medical research, relies on the classic scientific model, hypotheses, analysis, peer review, and publication. Bren proposes a different approach, one driven by computer national muscle and staggeringly large data sets. Computer national muscle, oh, lots, lots, lots of computer power, and staggering large data sets. It's a method that draws on his algorithmic sensibility and Google's storied faith in computing power with the aim of accelerating the pace in increasing the potential of scientific research. Whew, that's a mouthful. Generally, the pace of medical research Generally, the pace of medical research is glacial compared to what I'm used to in the internet, Bren says. We could be looking lots of places and collecting lots of information. And if we see a pattern, that could lead somewhere. In other words, Bren is proposing to bypass centuries of scientific, scientific epistemology in favor for a more googly kind of science. He wants to collect data first, then hypothesize, and then find the patterns that lead to answers. And he has the money and the algorithm to do it. Bryn's faith in the power of numbers and the power of knowledge, more generally, is likely something he inherited from his parents, who were both scientists. His father, Michael, is a second-generation mathematician. His mother, Eugenia, Eugenia is trained in applied mathematics and spent years doing meteorological research at NASA. <laughs> yeah, nothing suspicious about being employed by NASA, right? Kid, they're from NASA. They, Brent and them all went to Stanford. Yeah. You know, one thing these big universities also have, just if I haven't added this in some rant before, that, you know, they suck up a lot of local resources as far as the lack of funding that they put into the environment and local jurisdictions that they operate out of. Um, they have the whole tax game just 
wrangled. So people may feel like they're in a luxurious area because of this high university there, but that university, because of how these people operate, really just sucks everything out of it. So, so let me continue on with this story. So the family immigrated from Russia when Bren was six. At 17, he took up mathematics himself at the University of Maryland, later attending a second major in computer science. When he reached Stanford for his Ph.D., a degree he still hasn't earned, much to his parents' chagrin, he focused on data mining. That's when he began thinking about the power of large data sets and what might come of analyzing them for unexpected patterns and insights. Around the same time, in 1996, Bren's mother started to feel some numbness in her hands. The initial diagnosis was repetitive stress injury brought on by years of working at a computer. What tests couldn't confirm, when tests couldn't confirm that diagnosis, her doctors were stumped. Soon though, Eugenia's left leg began to drag. It was just the same as my aunt, who had Parkinson's years ago, she recalls. These symptoms started the same way, at the same age. To me, at least, it was obvious there was a connection. Yes, well, I am not going to say much more about this. I'm just trying to document what I know to date about Parkinson's and all of this stuff, because it appears to me that, are these real family connections? Is the connection because they all were put on hormones? I mean, that certainly raises a really huge question, at least it does in my mind, right? Because how else can we think about this? We've got this group of people that are getting that chin from the hormones. Look what they're doing to their necks and stuff. Anyway, go over and look at my um, file about, just click on the file that says elite transgenders, and you'll see all that you want to know about them, all their botched surgeries and I, you know, this stuff, I keep coming to that 1800s days, but let me get off here. i got to get back to this Santa is Satan stuff. And I just wanted to document this stuff while I was going along the way. So not to get into a multi-hour tirade, which could easily be a trigger at this point. So let me play you this song I picked out. It's by Joe Brown, and it's called What... And also, one thing I forgot to mention, sometimes if the song is playing and I think about something, I may just pop on after the song and say something else, because I know in the last show I thought of some things, and so I just logged on and said something else after the song. So, Okay, here we go. Anyways, goodbye for now. Be safe out there. I'm going to tune in this song right now called Jack, sung by Joe Brown, What a Crazy World We're Living In. Mama 
Speaking of one last thing, um, don't give in to them, okay? They're going to be going crazy with utility rates and stuff. Bundle up. Remember, people used to live with, like, wood (laughs) wood stoves. (laughs) Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. My battery's low. God damn it. Plug this in so I don't go off. Oh, shit. Be the worst nightmare if this whole thing unplugs. Okay, wait a second. Phew. (sighs) Well, that danger was averted. (laughs) Okay, so, bundle up. As an example, I recently got a couple of beanie caps. Beanie caps are really cheap. They're like stocking caps. You see pictures of old times, because I'm doing this show about um, Santa next, and they're wearing stocking caps. Well, that's because it keeps you warmer. So I actually have tested a beanie cap, and yes, it does keep you a lot warmer. I now have my thermostat, and I'm in Nebraska, during the night, I have it set at 48 degrees. I don't know what that is. We're not smart enough to know the metric system here. <laughs> so 48. And during the day, anywhere from 50 to 54, that range. And keep in mind, check with your utility company because they do have off-peak hour rates, okay? So, for example, I get up early and my peak hours start at 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. So I'll set up the thermostat a little bit warmer in the very first part. You know, get myself awake a little bit warmer and the rates are much lower. So just keep those things not to move into some sort of manic obsession over it. But remember, any $20 you give them in an excessive utility bill, which they're looking to charge everybody with, is another $20 you can invest in some rice or beans or sensible things that you will need, you know, down here in the very near future. So anyways, let me get off for now. So anyways, be safe out there. Goodbye for now. Chat with you soon. Santa is going to be next because this whole thing about, you know, it is the most evil projection of um, evil coming package as help that 
I have run into with these people. What a way to crush the children and rankle the fa family. So let me not get started. So be safe out there. Goodbye for now.